Hey there, bitches. Welcome back to And World Peace. I'm your host, Maggie Gelson Burnett. A couple of housekeeping items before we get into today's episode. First, my sincere apologies for my audio during this episode. My old podcasting mic fucked around and found out and took a huge shit last week. So I recorded this without any of my typical equipment, but I believe that we will all be fine and just bear with me here. A couple of ways that you can support the show if you didn't hear our last episode. So the first is that And World Peace is now on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Peace. It is a way for you to support the show on a monthly basis while getting access to exclusive content that you wouldn't normally um, through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. The second way to support the show is through Spotify listener support, which is directly through Spotify. It is a one-time donation to the show. Of course, both of these things are not required. They are just ways for you to show your support if you want. The last is that I totally failed to mention this in previous episodes, but uh, this link has been in the last few episodes show notes that if you are looking for a way to support those affected by the Israel-Hamas war, there is a link in our show notes to make a monetary donation uh, to those efforts. So if you're looking for something to do, um, then you can find that in the show notes. I am so excited about today's guest on the show. Uh, Tina Clark is joining us. She is a friend of mine, and Tina is actually a licensed professional counselor. She is the owner of The Therapy Studio, which is a private therapy practice located in St. Louis, Missouri. She works with high-achieving women on issues related to trauma, career, stress, and self-identity. She has a special interest in working with female small business owners and entrepreneurs. She lives in the city with her husband, two dogs, two cats, and her current foster dog. In her free time, Tina is either traveling, fostering puppies, or working on her next business venture, Brain Salt, which we'll talk about on today's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the show and welcome Tina to Anne World Peace. So Tina, let's talk first about, I would love to know sort of your inception into the therapy world and like what got you there in the first place, why you chose that as your profession. Yeah, totally. So I actually, uh, private practice was never in the cards for me. Um, I was one of those like, oh, I'm 16. I know what I wouldn't do with my life. Like, this is my dream. I don't want to be just like this person. Actually, it wasn't even like that. It was like, you sucked. So I'm going to do better. Um, And so that was being a school counselor. So I knew from age 16, I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting my bachelor's in psychology. I'm going to get my master's in school counseling. Um, I'm going to get my license, not because I actually want to like do private practice, but because I like having alphabet soup after my name and it just makes me look really cool and feel really important. So I did that, right? Oh, man. And it was also, I'm going to be a high school counselor. I did elementary school. <laughs> oh, my God. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for six years. Um, And then, like, middle school, my last year, I was split between. Um, and then I just got tired of it, man. Like, I was exhausted. I was tired. I fell out of love with it. It's actually a really sad story. Like, there's a lot of, like, grief in that. But I fell out of love with it. I was still good at it. It was burning me out. I was tired of advocating for a job that no one really understands. Um, and so I left. And so good thing I had that alphabet soup. <laughs> yeah. that, 
credential because I was able to leave and go right into a private practice setting. I definitely want to touch on the therapy studio and like how kind of your vision for that from the beginning and what you maybe even hope for that to become in the next few years. So let me tell you how the therapy studio came to be. And that is actually like the next step where I cut my off. So I left schools. Yay. Because I had an opportunity presented to me that was too good to be true. So spoiler alert, it was too good to be true. I left schools, accepted this offer to be in a group private practice, um, was promised a lot of things, was promised like sunshine, rainbows, happiness, millions of dollars, and it was all a scam. Oh my God. Oh, it was a scam. Very traumatic time for me. Um, and so I knew that I needed to found, I needed to have my own thing. Yeah. In order. Yeah. So it was very, it wasn't, there's no like bright, shiny, like, oh my gosh, like I really just wanted to open my own place and it was amazing and I conceptualized it. It was very much survival mode. Yeah. If I just survive. I need to build this as quickly as possible to get out. Wow. Fascinating. So like what all all therapists, I feel like talk about this, like nervous system regulation and you can't, I've, I've even seen a few therapists allude to the fact that you can't be in your authenticity or be in your truth if you're like in survival mode. So what do you think that looked like for you when you were building this, this brand and this business? in kind of that state of like survival mode, you know, like what, what sort of, I guess, prompted you to keep going, you know, in those moments? Because I wanted to live like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not joking you like that yeah. was, and like, I'm like getting emotional because it was traumatic for me. Yeah, sure. It, it was a very abusive situation. I was making literally $3 a month. I had left my salary job for this position. I was being, clients were being um, held away from me because of God knows why, whatever, to the point where that's when I had started individual therapy again. That was when my relationship was really rocky because I was like losing, it was just awful. I couldn't, I was was literally experiencing a trauma. My body started breaking down. Like I literally was getting infections that you get when you are super stressed. Like, like, what what are you talking about? I have that infection. Yeah. So it truly was. If I want to have financial stability, Mm -hmm. if I want to have autonomy, if I want to keep this relationship, if I want to continue doing this job that I feel like I still want to do, Right. I need to have somewhere to go. Yeah. And I'm going to build it myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I know now what not to do. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I can translate that to what I actually want and what I was hoping for. Yeah. Amazing. That is, I mean, just such kudos to you. That is, and thank you so, so much for sharing that. That's so like lovely and beautiful that this amazing thing came out of something deeply traumatic and and really troubling and hard for you um i would love to know yeah like your vision for the therapy studio and like where you see it going and kind of the growth of it as it is 
you know, kind of your baby in a sense, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. your own whole thing. So I would love to know more about that. So it's kind of my baby that I share with my husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I have 51% of it. I said, I will always have 51%. Yeah. But it's, it's funny you ask me that because with the therapy studio, I'm kind of like, I feel like I've peaked and not peaked as in like, now I'm going down. <laughs> sure. Sure. I, I kind of have made it where I want it to be as in like a very living breathing version of my dream like it's there okay where i constantly feel myself shifting and changing is because i have so many interests and i learn new things and i'm a lifelong learner hello i worked in schools for seven years and then i was in school for i don't know like my my entire life yeah yeah (laughs) for for a long time and so i'm always learning always learning new things and then i really get to like niche down my clients to be the clients that I truly want as my needs continue to shift and grow. And so it's, that's kind of like where I continue to see my practice going is like more, like as I learn more about myself, as I step more into who I am, then my practice kind of goes with that. Like it's very much an embodiment of me. I'm saying that very carefully because I also work a lot with people who um, have become their jobs and I don't want that um, but it's very much what I envisioned for myself as my job so it's it's really exciting I don't know if you know this about me so like a little like so because I have peaked there therapy studio is great solid like I know that it's like a solid thing I'm building a second business you've alluded to this on Instagram and I wanted to talk about it tonight, but I wasn't sure if it was like kind of public knowledge or not. So yes. It was public knowledge because I filed a trademark. Yes. And that is all I ever wanted to do before I started talking about it. So I have my other business is called Grain Salt. Yes. What I've done is I've taken, I've extracted, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. here's a therapy studio. I love it. I work with trauma. Great. I've extracted the things that I really like about what I do, which I love career work. I love career development, professional development. I love brain spotting, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. And then I also love human design, which actually doesn't really fit into therapy, even though I use it a little bit in therapy. And I just created like this whole strategy that it's not even coaching. I don't even want to call myself coach ever. Fuck coaches. Like, unless you're you're a good one and you know what you're doing and you know your ethical boundaries, good for you. I don't even know what to call myself. (laughs) A practitioner, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yes. A practitioner, a strategist, like, I don't know, whatever. That's that's something that is like bubbling. It's bubbling in the background. There, There are things. I really just need to launch it, but... Amazing. That's so exciting. Well, it sounds like I probably need to come to you then because we're having some very deep, deep rooted career uh, <laughs> that's happening in my life now. So it sounds like I probably just need to come to you at some point. I know. That's super exciting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, you you mentioned you work with patients who, who have trauma and you know, I, I assume that you also probably work with women who are experiencing pretty intense burnout. Um, and I think that I've seen you mention that before on on Instagram. So I want to know one of the things I'm most fascinated about 
with um, relation to like mental health professionals. Um, my oldest sister is a therapist and my brother-in-law is a therapist. So mm-hmm. I, I am just constantly fascinated by this. How do, I mean, obviously part of this is done within a school setting and within your training, but how do you personally really work to not take on your clients' stories, especially as it relates to their careers, right? So you mentioned that, you know, you work a lot with women who might be, you know, switching careers or in the midst of like, you know, maybe a career crisis or or whatever. How do you not take that on as your story, you know, when you're so deeply embedded in their lives and in your work and their work? I mean, I have really good boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Sure, we have really good boundaries, but I think I think it's kind of impossible. Like truly right. it's impossible. Like I'm not a robot. I'm not a machine. So of oh. course I like think about my clients afterwards. Oh, I hope they're okay. I will occasionally text them, hey, thinking about you, like whatever. But my boundaries are strong. Like mm-hmm. and I'm very clear about them because and this might even be like my own personal shit coming through, but because I don't want to get burnt out because I know what it's like to be burnt out. And I know that now I have to like have those boundaries because I know what compassion fatigue feels like. And if I don't have compassion to give, I can't do my job. Right. So it's very much like a self-preservation, but also like a job preservation for me so that I'm able to show up the way that I know that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I love that, that it's almost like what you said, job preservation. I love that because you love and value your work so much that you don't want it to like not ever be your work. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Okay, let's talk about brain spotting because I don't feel like anybody knows really what brain spotting is. I was introduced to brain spotting through your Instagram. So I would love all the tea and all the goods on what the fuck brain spotting is and like how it can help women or just anybody deal with their shit. So brain spotting is 20 years old. It's new. It's a baby. Yeah, I love it. It came out of EMDR. So you're familiar with EMDR, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Oh, long story short. I don't know what type of EMDR you did. I don't know if you did like the actual like eye movements, if you did like the tapper. I did the the pods or whatever. Yeah. So I did the little okay. vibrating tappers. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So it's it's similar to that. Very like old school, like this is EMDR is truly like the eye movements, right? And going back and forth with the eyes to access a different part of your brain in order to reprocess a trauma, right? And then desensitize from it, EMDR, and using eye movements. And so brain spotting came out of EMDR because the founder of EMDR figured out that a fixed spot actually can access the part of your brain where emotional baggage and issue trauma is held so that you can process it in a brain-body connection way subcortically, okay? So amygdala brainstem. So this is like a science lesson for who yeah. is listening. No, this is great. This is if, if you're listening, like, sorry, like, just Google. But yeah, and so it really gets out of our frontal lobe. Talk therapy is like all frontal lobe, right? And it allows your brain and your body to do what they know to do in order to, and I hate this word, but heal, right? So that's what it does. It's really fucking cool. I it's I have a magic wand. So like I all you can show you. Nobody's gonna be able to see this, but like I have like my little brain. Yeah, I saw that in the like, oh, yeah. 
it. It's like a whole like thing. It's like it's like a baton. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. We're familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you can use it for all sorts of things. Obviously, it was like created for the use of trauma, but you can use it for like I said, like career exploration, like you can use it for expansion. Like I want to feel more of this feeling. I want to experience more of this thing. You can use it in group settings. You can use it in like couples sessions, right? To really just work on all of those things that we just can't access with our frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Like, and maybe, you know, I could be totally off base here. I feel like we've probably only just skimmed the surface in terms of like neuroscience and what we're able to process in our brains. Like, I just feel like there's there's so much left to be discovered, which is equally as exciting, I think, as it is scary and kind of, you know, a little fear. It's, it's, it's scary, but I'm like super excited about it. And like I use so many metaphors, like stranger things going to the upside down. Like Alice in Wonderland, going into Wonderland, right? Like it is truly so incredible what our brains are capable of. And we just don't know because the brain, I'm like, I'm really nerding out right now. Oh, but I love it. It's is the only organ in your body that you can't transplant because you don't know enough about it. We don't know enough about it. Wild. That is so insane. I... I literally didn't even think about that, that it's the only, yeah, it would be the only organ you can't transplant. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. That is so neat. Okay. So let's go on to another question I have, which is, um, okay, wait, you mentioned, I do want to double down on this quick before we, we completely move on. You mentioned human design in this, in brain salt, being a part of it. Okay. Tell me what you love about human design. And I like fucking nerd out on human design. I just got an app a couple of days ago. Um, and I've been like, with this whole career thing, I've been like, oh my God, this is why I am the way that I am. Like, what do you love about it? I, I oh, what do I love about it? Everything. Yeah, it's so I love everything. I love every single thing about it. I love how complex it is, yet so simple it is. I love that it's a bazillion I think it's six, six different systems all stacked on top of each other to create human design. I love how detailed it can get. I love how it identifies your strengths. I love how it identifies like your shadow side, like whatever. Like I'm, I'm really not, but it's, that's the best way. Your medium, your, your uh, areas of improvement, um, things to be like, <laughs> yes, things exactly. to be aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah it and like it's a science too and so like i really consider it a science because it truly is it's very much like astrology is a science astrology is like something you believe in it's literally this fucking science of where the planets are in this you sky, know. like and what that means and it's just it's a science and it helps you learn who you are i find it very or at least when i I don't know if I like stumbled into it. My friend told me about it actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I like read it and I was like, oh my God, this sounds like exactly like me. I like did my little ADHD hyper thing that didn't even realize was a hyper focus. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I just think it's so cool. I feel like it told me so much about myself that I had been wondering in like kind of, you know, for like for lack of better term, sort of just like packaged up in a like little pretty way like here's all the shit that like you didn't know about yourself that you were probably wondering like what's going on here and 
I just love it, especially as it relates to career and, you know, sort of vocation and, and what you're supposed to be doing with your life, which I just love. So I'm a generator. You're a generator, not a manifesting generator? That's so right. I thought for a while that I was a manifesting generator and I could be totally, I, I should check to be sure that I have the exact, my exact birth time in there, correct? Um, but yeah, apparently I'm a generator. That's what the app told me today. And um, yeah, it's just like wild to, to see that like generators, you, it has to be like a full body. Yes. Right. Like when we're doing something, it's like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And that is how I felt about basically everything I've ever done in my life. And I always kind of wondered why I was so like, so basically black or white on, on that. And like why I was so total opposite ends of the spectrum. And it's just fascinating to know that like, that's pretty much why is like, you know, because of this, like, here you go. And it's all laid out for you in a way that's like super digestible into where I'm like, this all makes total sense. Like all of the pieces are fitting together. So I just love it. And I love that you love it. That's amazing. I mean, I love it. And it's just, it's like exactly what you're saying. It's very validating. It's not anything new that you're learning about yourself, but it puts words and validation on what you already know about yourself so that you'll even more confident in showing up as that because it's like well it's like on my chart like this is yeah. who i am so this is how i'm going to be like i feel like i have permission to be that mm -hmm. exactly exactly okay speaking of permission this kind of this is a good kind of segue well permission is not question, but this is a good segue so we talk on or i talk on the show a lot about this concept of undoing and sort of like how every woman in her life has had a moment of undoing where we've had to totally fall apart to, you know, to really become the person we are now or to become the person that we hope to be. And I want to talk about your own personal undoing or just even like a moment of it where you were like, oh shit, like I'm really in it. I'm in the work. I'm, I'm, finding out all these things about myself it's huge growing pains but I know that this is all going to pay dividends and sort of like what that looked like for you and you kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the episode but um how you kind of got through that time of you know just tremendous growth and what it brought you now yeah no totally like I feel like I've had a couple of moments of that right I think definitely what I talked about earlier that leaving the group practice starting my own huge right like I was literally rock bottom like mm -hmm. trauma huge trauma and that that was for me mm -hmm. and another another moment of that was definitely schools okay so like leaving schools which was it was traumatic for me on a different level not to the extent where I was being like abused and like <laughs> you know emotional abuse and like being treated like jack shit and also making nothing but mm. schools was a very very difficult one for me because I really it was a relationship for me I loved it I really 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 loved it I lived and I breathed school counseling I was like school counselor through and through I was an advocate for school counselors in the districts that I worked at like mm -hmm. truly like to my soul school counselor loved kids was so good at it Ugh, it was just so it was such an undoing and I really love that you say that because I really had to 
Mm, I, there were so many stages of it for me. I really had to go through so many different stages in yes. order to finally make that decision to leave, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it and I haven't really thought about really when the catalyst moment was where I was like, let me like start testing this. And so then I'm like, oh yeah, that's like grief. I was going through the stages of grief and then eventually I accepted it's not for me to move on, right? Yeah. So uh, I ended up going through a really terrible breakup while I was in schools. And so at that time, I think I was the only school counselor maybe in schools um, in the school that I was at yeah. and I was like, holy shit, this is like so much work. And that was like the first time I really had to think out, oh shit, like I can't like actually do all of this. Mm. You have to also try to manage this breakup yeah. at the same time. Like it was very, I have to prioritize myself. And so that was weird because I started pulling away, started like removing myself from that and the system did not like, <laughs> which is funny because I was a mental health person. The system did not like that. I was like, hey, I need to leave this school for an hour to go to therapy to talk about my cheating boyfriend that I was like, God. And like uh, I don't know if you can do that. Like, uh, like I'm like, well, I am anyway. <laughs> like, bye. Uh -huh. And so that was kind of like, a, uh, like, why is this such a hard thing for me to like go take care of myself? And then you come, you want me to like, actually stay here and take care of 500 little babies like I, yeah. and so then I started like kind of pulling away a little bit then they added they helped me on the next year and they added a half time a part-time counselor person guess what I spent the whole year having to train someone how to do my fucking job yeah like I'm like like he was he was lovely but he was coming from high school to an elementary school like mm -hmm. oh my god like do you know how much work that is as i'm still dealing with the fallout of this relationship like it was it was a rough year for me mm -hmm. um then i was like oh i just don't want to do this anymore the vice principal was a bitch i just couldn't handle her and so then i was like yes you can i will take this offer that they gave me to be mm -hmm. in, in the two highest behavior schools in the district because I'm really good at behaviors, right? I'm great. Um, awesome. that fucking awful. I was like, okay, that's it. I have to leave this district, going to a different one. Anyway, long story short, I gave it one more year. They, they fucked me before the school year even started, went back on something they promised me. I was done. I was out. Really, truly, this very uncomfortable, slow stages of undoing but I'm really glad that I did that because I think otherwise I would have regretted leaning or like had like mm -hmm. what's what am I trying to think of like the one that got away always thinking about like yeah. what if I piece differently I exhausted every fucking opinion or every freaking option <laughs> yeah no totally I think like that's so comment or you know I think one of the coolest parts about sort of this undoing that we talk about that that I think most women that at least that will be on this show have had um and that I know in my life is sort of like how how complex it all is how sticky it all is but how like I don't know just how every option is almost always exhausted in the process and how it's 
it never is like one thing that leads them to that moment. It's always like a multitude of things that snowball on top of each other to where they're like, I'm fucking done and I'm, and I'm doing it different this time. So I love that. Um, so kind of on the flip side of that, and you didn't really say this, but I'm assuming that this may have been true for you at the time. So so I want to talk about burnout specifically in women because I discovered this year that I read a book um, called Burnout by uh, the Molly uh, Yeah, and great book. Uh, and I read Come As You Are, and then I was like, I'll move on to her next book. So um, I want to talk about burnout in women because I know it presents differently typically than it does for males. So how often do you deal with burnout in your clients' lives? How often have you dealt with it yourself? And then what do you feel like are maybe some practical tools that like people can, that are actually like attainable, like where, you know, where people don't have to like sit in a, in a, you know, ayahuasca ceremony, like for seven days in the middle of Brazil, like, you know, like maybe what are some like attainable things that people could do to work with burnout if it might be something they're experiencing? Yeah, so I'm laughing because I work with high achieving women. Okay. And we're all burned out. If you're wondering what percentage of my clients have experienced burnout, I would say 99%. Okay. Like (laughs) most of them, right? (laughs) And yeah, so like I deal with burnout quite often. I myself have been burnt out okay and like that that was you heard you heard it you heard my burnout story um <laughs> you have all of these clients who deal with burnout now what are like the practical things that you recommend to them to sort of start the process of chipping away at this burnout especially as they're high achieving like they probably are always go 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 if i'm not doing i'm i'm a piece of shit you know that type of mentality Yes, they are very go, go, go. And the very first place that I have to start with them is I literally say to them, it sounds like you're burnt out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm burnt out. I'm just stressed. And then I follow that up with burnout is a scale. So like, <laughs> yeah. speed are you? Are you lightly toasted or are you disintegrating? Like, where are you at there? I, I really have to let them see and acknowledge that burnout isn't like a, a one, one stop shop. Like it's not, you get burnt out and then you're done. Burnout like constantly happens. And so they have to have this self-awareness of where they're at on that scale before they can decide what they want to do without it. And they also have to acknowledge that they're burned down. Because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, you're tools for burnout. If they're like, no, like, I'm just stressed. Like, then <laughs> you sure. let them, I'm like, okay, you're just stressed. And then, like, a couple sessions later, they'll be like, you're right. Like, <laughs> I am out. They don't like what I have to say, which I'm going to tell you next, which is practical solutions for burnout. Um, They don't like that. They don't like it when I say, hey, like. You're not going to cure burnout by being in the environment that burns you out. So, oh my God, so good. Yeah. yeah. Like, and people are like, how can I make it better? What can I do? Like, how can I, like, ugh. and I'm like, you need to do not that. And you need to <laughs> remove yourself from this environment. Yeah. 
then at the same time, I also know that that's not always possible for people, right? Like that's that's a, that's very much a luxury. And I'm sure that you have experienced this too, because I have seen some of your job struggles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, in pageantry. Um, yeah. So like over the years that I have known you, like you definitely have seen that. And you also know that staying in that same place isn't going to fix it. There are no, there are no things that you can do to fix that environment. Sometimes you literally have to be there. You can't. And so in that case, if everything at work has to stay exactly how it is, you need to be really strategic about your time outside of work, right? Like you need to you need to really look at how you are spending your restorative time. It is not rest. It is restorative. As in, you are restoring your body from all of the stress that you are putting it through during the day. You are not going to cure burnout from that, but you will probably maintain where you're at on the burnout scale. So you're, you're not going to get better and you're not going to get worse. Um, but if you want to get better, you got to change your work environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Wow. That's yeah, lovely. yeah. So it's like, I've I totally feel this because I've had so many work environments where the burnout didn't. It, it's it's like the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different yeah. result. So yeah. it's like you're never going to get better by staying in the same environment that fucked you up in the first place, you know. So I don't like that. Well, and like I also too want to like kind of expands the the environment of burnout to it could be anything like it really could be a relationship it could be um I've been burnt out on travel before which like is a fun thing that I'm supposed to like um you can head out on everything right and it's truly when you just don't want to do it anymore like thinking about it just makes your skin crawl you are doing everything that you can to avoid going there like you you have like this feeling of like doom all of the time and you're snapping at the people that you love um you can't literally do anything besides go to work and you're just kind of like zoned out the entire time because your body is dissociating because it can't deal with the stress that you're dealing with all of the time so it was trying to protect you do you think that just kind of coupling what we talked about with human design and now getting into this burnout i'm curious to know do you think that that people can get burnt out by doing something that is so out of what their authenticity is yes a hundred percent manifestors okay if you are a manifester and you're listening if you are doing stuff that you don't want to do other people are telling you what to do all of the time you're going to get burnt out projector if you are on like a societal norm eight to five nine to five schedule you're going to get burnt out you only have four hours of good work in you um generators like if you were working on something all day long about something that isn't a hell yes for you yeah you're fucked like manifesting generators like if you are working a job like the same as the generators it's actually like double fucked right because if you are working a job that you are not excited about it it's not a hell yes and people are telling you what to do and you are confining to doing something that is only one thing all of the time you're also fucked reflectors like reflectors are like a mystery to me i need to do more research on them yeah. but if you are being like pressured a lot in your job and you don't get to take your time and nobody is recognizing you and seeing you for who you are and asking your opinion, you're going to get burnt out, right? So it doesn't have to be this like 
intense eight to five grind every day, like doing all these tasks, like productivity on 100. Like, I love that because I feel like so many women I know are burnt out, but don't feel like they have, quote, done the work to be burnt out. You know, like yeah. they they've done enough, which like women. Yeah. Like literally, if you're just scanning documents for eight hours a day and you don't love scanning documents like it is yes i dream about scanning documents that's all i ever wanted to do you're gonna fucking burn out like it it's not gonna work i love it wow that's that is so insightful i love it okay so my like kind of last question before we get into a fun little segment of the show does everybody truly need to be in therapy what is your take on that? Oh, what a terrible question to ask me. <laughs> that is, I, how am I supposed to answer that? But like, okay. I'm not going to from a therapist's perspective. I don't know if I can. I'm so biased. I don't think that everybody has to be in therapy for the rest of their lives, okay? I do think that everyone could benefit from therapy. I think what therapy looks like to them in terms of how they approach it can be really different. So like, honestly, I'm saying no. Some people are... Therapy ride or diet people. They are always in therapy. They constantly need that to maintain and improve their quality of life, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine. There are some people who are like, I love going to therapy. I go for a specific thing and then I take a break and then I have another thing or I need a booster and then they come back, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are some people who go and they're like, I really have this phobia and I need to get rid of this phobia. Um, once that phobia is gone, I don't need to come anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I think that Yes, everybody does need to be in therapy, but I think you get to decide in what you want that to look like and for how long you want that to look like and what type of therapy person you are. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, I'm a perpetual, like, I will probably always be in therapy. I just like, I mm -hmm. just like, there are times where I hate my sessions, but there are times where I like, I'm like, can't wait to see old Christine today. Like, you know, it's like part of my, part of my thing, you know. Yes. Um, but no, so I love that answer. That's great. Um, okay, last thing, and then we'll get into the world war and world peace section. So <laughs> the, the big thing right now, I feel like on TikTok and on Instagram and all the Instagram therapists are talking about it is like, quote, nervous system regulation. It's kind of <laughs> hot, like trigger word right now. Yes. So what are ways that you like to nourish your own nervous system and ways that you found to just be really thoughtful, intentional like loving ways to nourish your system. So central nervous system, you have the, you have the sympathetic nervous system For and sure. then you have parasympathetic nervous system. They are both equally important in order for your health, right? We as a society, as women suck at dropping into our parasympathetic nervous system, especially if you are a high achiever, let me do all of these things. I'm super successful, whatever, because you're always in your sympathetic nervous system, having cortisol coursing through your body so that you can get all these things done. And then people are rewarding you and complimenting you for all of this hard work and amazing things that you're doing. Well, we need to drop more in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of your nervous system that allows you to rest and digest. That is where you're actually going to restore from all of the stress that you are putting your body through all day, right? So yeah, like literally like dropping into your parasympathetic nervous system. Like for me, because I'm really trying so hard to 
kind of bridge my like brain body connection, learning my body. I'm a data girl. Okay. I have my aura ring. I really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me so much data. It tells me my HRV, which is your heart rate variability, which is a really good indicator of um, the stress that your body's holding on and also all of these other like health related factors. The higher it is, the better it is, the lower it is, you need to see someone. Like, <laughs> right? So really a lot of what I have been doing is, especially right now, is learning how to breathe better. Mm-hmm. Learning how to tap into the actual benefits of breathing so that my body can start resting so that it can restore, right? So that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Yeah. Another thing that I am starting to do is it has to do with the HRV, right? And it's like biofeedback. And so really learning, and I have, I don't have it on me right now, but I have something called HeartMath. It's the HeartMath Interbalance device. And it trains you to really listen to your body and learn how to develop higher coherence, which is your body's ability to regulate (laughs) heart rate and breath, right? Amazing. Wow. I can't wait to place a fat online order for both my aura ring, which has been on my wish list forever, and heart math. (laughs) So excited for these. I work with my nutritionist and it's there's so much that you can do prior to eating, like just like breathing a little bit and really allowing your body to not be so stressed as you're eating so that you can digest it better and so that you don't have all of these GI issues that the entire internet markets too. <laughs> exactly. So that you can really like let your body do what it knows how it needs to do if you just let it get to that parasympathetic place. Amazing. I love it. Okay. This has been so informative, so wonderful. I want to get into the section of the show called World War or World Peace. So this <laughs> is where you tell me if you think that the uh the mentioned topic warrants world war or world peace and it's really just like if it brings a peace or a war with inside you so don't feel like you know this is like globally but i want to know your opinions on these things and i can't wait because i put this list together for you uh a few days ago and i was like wow i'm really excited for your opinions on these okay so the first one is um I believe this is her last name, but Dr. Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychiatrist or psychologist on Instagram. <laughs> I got down to follow her on everything. I followed her on like every platform. I think my facial expression showed it all for all of you who um, cannot see them. Um, she's not great. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, okay, she's had so much tea, like, surrounding her in the last, like, year or so, and I have a hilarious story about her because I bought her first book, like, when it came out, like, three years ago, and so I buy it, and it's right at the time that we have our our dog, Bruce, um, was, like, I don't know, six months old at the time or something. So Bruce had never, Bruce was an angel puppy, did not chew up anything, like did not chew cords, did not chew shoes, like did none of the typical puppy thing. He did, however, chew up one single book, one book in the history of my life. And that book was 
her last book uh what is it uh something like something about healing yourself whatever so her first book my dog literally before i could read it chewed it up and i remember having a conversation with my therapist that day and she was like i don't think you need any more like self-help like i think you're good on the self-help front and then i came home later that day and the book was chewed up and i never read it <laughs> and so i was sort of like I feel like maybe my dog knew better than I did at the time. Literally, Bruce knew what he needed. He was like, you sure as hell don't need this. <laughs> Not to <laughs> know <I'm> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. So we've established that. Okay, the second one is um, the DSM-5. And feel free to explain it for people, if for listeners who may not know what the DSM-5 is. Yeah, okay, so the DSM-5 is basically the mental health diagnostic Bible of disorders that exist. Um, You know, I, I'm a little bit more world peace on this one. I think it serves a purpose. I think it definitely serves a bit of a framework. I don't really diagnose people. I don't take insurance, so like, I don't really have to fuck with it very much, but I it serves a purpose just to like kind of put words to some of the things that people are experiencing but i also don't think it's an end-all be-all and like mm -hmm. even with adhd right the diagnostic mm -hmm. criteria doesn't mention anything about emotional dysregulation mm -hmm. but that is a huge thing <laughs> with adhd especially for women so uh what's up with that i think they actually removed it from the criteria at some point like it used to be there and then they removed it which doesn't make any sense because it's like very much a thing yeah fascinating okay love that um that's a great answer i would have like if i were in i feel like a practitioner's shoes i would probably feel the same way like i feel like it like serves a purpose but it's also like not the the absolute the absolute of absolutes for for mental health diagnostic yeah. information um okay and the last one speaking of AD, ADD ADHD when people say I'm so ADD or I'm so OCD without a clinical diagnosis <laughs> like when someone cleans their house and they're like I'm so OCD that I have to do this thing and you're like mm -hmm. I mean I, it's, it's very cringy like I would say yeah, yeah. They like world war because like what the fuck are you talking about like yeah. you like understand the words that are coming out of your mouth like, that is, right. should be offensive like you need to be exactly. before you start throwing around these adjectives that are actual diagnoses that people yes. um and that could potentially dysregulate the person that you're talking yes. to and they have adhd because it's like well let me tell you how difficult my life has been <laughs> Your life in this difficult? Okay, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> amazing. Okay, Tina, this has been so amazing. You are an absolute gem of a person. And I just feel like this was so informative. You touched on so many different points. And it was just the fucking tits hanging out with you. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you on socials, all of that good stuff. Plug your shit website all of it yep totally okay if you would like my website for therapy studio it is therapystudiostl.com i don't know how popular you are but i can only see people in the state of missouri so that's the thing good time uh, 
Instagram for Therapy Studio, at the Therapy Studio. I got really lucky with that one. Um, Grain Salt, if anybody's interested in Grain Salt, Instagram is Get Grain Salt, and the website is GetBrainSalt.com. And there's a waiting list on in and like see like my pretty website and whatever. But yeah, that's where you can reach me. Amazing. That is so awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Tina. You have been the best. And yeah, listeners, I just hope that they're there. Everybody's going to love it. I'm just so excited about this. Oh, 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 oh,